Tomorrow is Remembrance Day, and we had in studio with us today a man whose father is a veteran in a war that is sometimes forgotten by many, the Korean War. And what an incredible story did he have to share. Also tomorrow, of course, the West Final, Bombers and Lions at IG Field. And we were joined today by Bob Irving, who is going to be a part of the broadcast tomorrow. He'll be on the pregame show on 680 CJOB. And in honor of the West Final tomorrow, something that I know that Greg Mackling is just dying to get to, we asked you about stuff that you have eagerly anticipated. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's off for the next little while on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, November 10th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off once again. She's on vacation. And Greg? Yes. It's Friday. We love our Friday shows. Everybody loves Friday. But if I had to guess, I would suggest you were kind of wishing it was already Saturday. Yes, I could do without one more sleep. I'm ready for the Bombers and the Lions to get this thing done. Get at it. Get out on the gridiron, as they say. And let's decide who's going to the Grey Cup in Hamilton a week Sunday. I like to talk about the implications of the game, but I uh, have no choice. <laughs> it's plain and simple. You win and you move on. And for the Bombers, it would be an opportunity to compete in their fourth straight Grey Cup. And uh, if they don't win on Sunday or Saturday, it's uh, it's the end of the road. It's the end of the season, the end of a very good season. Uh, Bombers, Lions, kickoff just after 5.30. Drew Stremick tells me from the Global News Weather Office, uh, high around minus one tomorrow. We're expecting sunshine. The wind chill around minus seven is his uh, best guess around uh, kickoff tomorrow night. So I would say perfect conditions in in November. Yeah, and I have been examining the the various forecasts that are uh, available because I have like, seven weather apps why brett (laughs) mostly it's due to you know golf uh but now that that's over i don't don't spend as much time on the the weather apps but depending where you look weather network for tomorrow says one degree accuweather says two degrees i've got an app called windfinder which was actually suggested by one of our listeners and um i can't remember the name of the person who suggested that but thank you for because it's pretty nifty app and they are saying Zero. And then if I go to, I've got another one here called Weather Underground, which yes. uh, that was actually the, when we were at Polo Park, we had uh, those those monitors in our studio that were tapped. Like we had a, we had an actual like thing on the roof and that was tapped into Weather Underground, which is another pretty good app. They're saying one. So, I mean, depending where you, either way. Right like, around zero. Yeah. Minus one, zero. One, two degrees, whatever. That Windfinder app, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, do you mind going back to that? Because that really can be the big difference yep. in a playoff game, in any game, but in particular in a playoff Ooh. game. If the wind if the wind plays into it, it can be, it can be game-altering in terms of, of how things go down, especially with the amount of kicking in the Canadian game. Yeah, there. so the Windfinder app, this is interesting. They're suggesting uh, 16. So kickoff is 5.30? 5.30, yeah. Okay, so at 6 p.m. they're saying 16 kilometers an hour looks northwest. Okay. But max 48 kilometers an hour. Wow. Okay, so, could, so some So it gusts. could be gusty okay. tomorrow, uh, at least at the – I'm just going to check a different app here because uh, Weather Network is usually pretty good with uh, looking at the wind. Okay, so they've got – South, they've got they're in totally different directions. Come southeast, on they're saying southeast 21, 32 kilometers an hour at 6 p.m. So okay, might not be it. So, could be it could be a little gusty, but not terrible. <laughs> and really, I guess it doesn't really matter what it's going to be, it will be what it will be. Um, the players <laughs> and the teams will, will have to deal with whatever comes. 
I just can't wait to get going. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. I actually haven't checked uh, tickets to see if there's any tickets available on uh, Ticketmaster, the Blue Bombers website, but we have tickets to give away. That's right. When at 645, we'll tell you how you can get yourself some tickets. Last time I checked, I think it was like under 1,000 tickets left. But today is your last day to win some tickets. We've got tickets on the start. You can also potentially win some tickets on Connecting Winnipeg with KK in for Hal Anderson. And then the Jim Toth Show will give away the final pair of tickets that we have at CJOB for the Western Final for tomorrow. And we are going to, at 8.05, speak to somebody who is involved once again in the broadcast. You might have heard of this gentleman. Bob Irving is his name. And uh, Doug Brown will not be with us for the broadcast tomorrow. We're going to miss Doug big time. But Bob Irving going to join us for the entire pregame show tomorrow. All awesome. Two and a half hours of uh, coverage to get you set up for Bombers Lions. So we'll catch up with Bob just after 8 o'clock. And, you know, we won't take all of his secret sauce and all the magical things that he's come up with in terms of the keys to tomorrow's game. Uh, but we will pick his brain a little bit for a few minutes uh, as we get ready for uh, for tomorrow. It's a, it's an Irving Friday at 8.05. It's Bob Irving at 7.05. We'll speak with Kyle Irving from Eagle Vision. And now that the Hollywood strikes are over, finally over, both the writers and the actors, what is next? But just want to also touch on something that uh, you got, uh, you were called into duty yesterday, Mr. Greg. Yeah, Loren McNabb was originally scheduled to join Gabrielle Marchand at Club Regent Casino event center last night for the Habitat Manitoba House Party. So um, I got the tap on the shoulder. Fortunately, I had a suit that was was somewhat clean and uh, my shirts uh, <laughs> were were uh, hanging in the in the closet and not all wrinkly so I grabbed a, a suit and a tie and headed out and had a blast with uh, Gabrielle Marchand and uh, the hundreds in attendance and uh, this is just a sample Brett that's the they, they had a multitude of entertainment last night multiple groups uh, did you know Winnipeg has a poet laureate or poet laureate was there last night this is the Winnipeg youth chorus It was a wonderful evening of entertainment, fundraising, community, Habitat, a building, 55 homes in your old neck of the woods, Brett. And uh, that, that project valued at about $14 million. Just uh, amazing things Habitat continues to do in our province. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. In a moment, we are going to share some sounds that you really have to hear as we approach Remembrance Day tomorrow. First, I want to say congratulations to Francis Chuckery, who won the tickets for Dusk Sings Bennett. Canadian crooner Matt Dusk coming to Club Region Event Centre in April of next year to do the music of Tony Bennett. So enjoy that, Francis. In our next segment, we'll tell you how you can win bomber tickets for tomorrow's game. At 7.20, we have our next Country Fest code word. At 7.56, we will find our next qualifier for Parks and Rec. And a bit later on, just after 8.50, we'll give away tickets for the Winnipeg Wine Festival. And also at 7.55, we've got our Friday Jets report. And shall I just press play on this? Jets won their third consecutive game last night. There has been some concern about the number of fans in Canada Life Centre, over 12,000 last night. PA announcer Jay Richardson, who works on Power 97, told me last night the atmosphere was as good as he's seen it in some time. And on my way home from the Habitat house party last night, I was listening to Paul's call and caught this. And they're loving it here in downtown. So good, so good, so good tonight have the Winnipeg Jets been, and really for the last three games, and certainly inside their own division. So it sounds as though, you know, the crowds might be smaller than they'd like them to be, but engaged they were last night at Canada Life Centre, and then tomorrow afternoon, things get going again, 2 o'clock, Dallas Stars, Canada Life Centre. It's going to be a busy sports day here in Winnipeg.
and tomorrow morning is a reminder as to why we are able to get together and do things like go to Winnipeg Jets games. And we want to tell you a story right now about a Lethbridge man who is going above and beyond to make sure that fallen veterans are remembered in their final resting place and not just on November 11th. Global's Jacqueline Cousy reports. It's a special act of remembrance. All these people, men and women, gave their lives up for us so we could be free. So they deserve this recognition. For the last two years around Remembrance Day, Stan Adamus places a Canadian flag and a poppy on all 35 veteran graves at St. Patrick's Cemetery in Lethbridge. I go there and I talk to him and I tell him, you know, I'm here to visit, I'm going to put you a flag and a poppy, pay my respects and thank you so much and the odd time I'll, I'll say a little prayer for a lot of the people too. Adamus volunteers for City Cemetery Services, restoring and maintaining neglected and damaged headstones. He spends nearly 10 to 12 hours every day doing his work, but takes special care on the week leading up to November 11th. Well, my dad was a vet. He was captured and put in a concentration camp in Germany. How long he stayed there, I don't know. I wish I still had pictures from, um, from the past, but... Him and all the other people never talked about it that had left them places. How they survived, don't know, but they did because I'm here. Through the pain of the past, his father continued to participate in veteran ceremonies, something Adamus carries on to make sure no one is forgotten. There's grave sites that are 130 years old. So are the relatives around? Possibly not. Maybe they didn't have relatives, maybe they moved away. So it's uh, gratifying for me, and I'm honoured to be able to repair the monuments that I have for, for the people here. Every year, Canadians come together on November 11th to pay respects to veterans. Adamus hopes he inspires others to put in the effort year-round. It's a matter of cleaning the stones and maybe trimming a little grass and visiting, maybe put flowers and stuff. So these vets are recognised the rest of the year, not just on Remembrance Day. Jacqueline Cousy, Global News. Oh. My heart goes out. What a what a great story that is from Jacqueline. Thanks, Jackie. Jackie, um, we also want to play a portion of a story from Global's Marnie Blunt. She visited some schools, including Kelvin High School. If you missed it yesterday, we spoke with teacher Chris Young, who works hard to teach kids about Remembrance Day. Marnie spoke to a student whose voice you need to hear. Something Kelvin High School student Vlasta Shevchenko knows all too well. She and her family came to Winnipeg from Kharkiv, Ukraine, almost a year ago and has seen the horrors of war firsthand. Me and my family, we've been hiding for um, four days like in the basement. You just don't know when, um, when is your last day um, in that city or any other city in Ukraine because there is no safe place right now in Ukraine. Shevchenko will be speaking to her school about her own experiences in Ukraine for Remembrance Day, a day that for her is about more than just remembering. It's also being grateful for what you have today and for being in a safe country, um, having a peaceful sky above. Um, I didn't really appreciate that when I was in Ukraine until I lost all of that. Marnie Blunt, Global News. So one of the great things, one of the special things, one of the most difficult things sometimes, Brett, in doing what we do is is creating that perspective, finding those different stories, and um, what a, what an incredible voice to have uh, been captured yesterday and to share this morning. You know when you <laughs> when you hear the uh, the voice of a teenager saying something as simple as being able to appreciate a peaceful sky. <laughs> I, uh, you know, you look at what's happening in Ukraine, you look at what's happening in, with the Israel and Hamas conflict, and uh, we, get, we get to go to a bomber game tomorrow. We, have, we yeah. get to go to football games. Like, the things that we... I know Canada, Canada is not a perfect country. I get that. There are some tough things in our history, but we're pretty lucky to live where we live. Yesterday, we spent a pretty big part of the day complaining about snow clearing. Yeah. And icy roads. (laughs) 
Sorry. <clears throat> I just said that that clip really hit me when I heard that this morning and I've been thinking about it all morning. And I'm just, you know, I know that we have our problems in this country, but when you look at what's happening around the world, we're really lucky here. And all the things we get to enjoy, all the things we get to do, none of it matters. None of it would be here if not for the people who fought and died for Canada. So, you know, Greg, you have said it already this week that tomorrow is for you, the most important day date on the calendar. And, um, and I'm just grateful to live where I live. And well, that's it. My brother, I have to love you, man. Uh, at eight, 35, we welcome into the studio the proud son of a Korean War veteran, one of Canada's, dare I say, forgotten battles, forgotten conflicts. And for years, his dad didn't speak about his experiences in Kapyong. And that led to a sense from the people around him that the war had had little impact on the man. We will learn that nothing could have been further from the truth. Also, just to want to remind you as well that uh, the Transcona Museum has their Remembrance Week exhibit stories of remembrance from hometown to the front lines at Kildonan Place, and that is on until tomorrow. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today and next week on some vacation time. And right now we have... Tickets to give away for the West Final. There's only a few hundred seats left for this game. So this is a hot ticket. You don't want to miss it. And the topic today has to do with waiting for that game because I'm sure that some of you are probably wishing as happy as you are that it's Friday. You're wishing it's Saturday at 530. And (laughs) Greg's been doing his best this week to contain his excitement (laughs) and anticipation. Having to wait two weeks for the West final. Like, it's cool that they get that by that they get the, but two weeks, it's a long time to wait for a football game. It really is pent up energy, excitement, nervousness. It's all there. It's all coming to the surface, but tomorrow, I guess just put your game face on and, and try and refocus on the task at hand. So, uh, yes, I think my nervousness will have shifted to anticipation tomorrow. I, I hope. So what we want to ask you is we want you to tell us about something that you were just like eagerly anticipating that you couldn't stand to wait for, whether it was a show or a concert or a game or whatever, just something that you were really excited to see and couldn't wait. And it was difficult to contain said excitement. Tell us a story for a chance to win those bomber tickets at 204-780-6868. Cameron Poitras, co-host of Jets at Noon. Let's go with you. Can I do something right now currently that I'm anticipating? Yeah. Uh, In January, my wife and I booked a trip to go to Japan. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a absolute bucket list trip for myself. I've always wanted to go since I was a kid uh, watching the Iron Chef, uh, Iron Chef Japan, Masahari Morimoto, Iron Chef Chinese, Chen Kenichi, (laughs) and Iron, no, I I messed it up, Iron Chef, uh, and Iron Chef French, Haruyuki Sakai, uh, Cuisant, um, but um, (laughs) I love that show, and I've I've always wanted to go to Japan. I've always had an interest uh, in going there, and so it's about two, it's almost two months away so i am uh going crazy i'm so excited there's islands of rabbits there's bowing deer there's ramen and sushi (laughs) and Um, really fast trains very fast trains (laughs) yes very very fast trains that's great well that's awesome and there's also tokyo land tokyo disneyland too as well will that be open at that time uh, of the year yes it will and it's very cheap because it's in the middle of winter too so it's like 65 bucks there to get in unbelievable it's like half the price are your accommodations like uh, like are you sleeping in one of those pod beds oh no no <laughs> we'll, we'll be getting actual hotel rooms that's kind of a uh a deal but it's actually like a hotel in downtown tokyo in like the district you want to be in is like 60 bucks a night it is not expensive that's crazy it's insane Attaboy. It's yeah sarah mccarthy what about you Mine just happened recently, and I'm a big concert goer, going to two next week right here in Winnipeg. Which but ones? Kiss and then the Jonas Brothers. Very different. Oh, very different. You're going to see Kiss? <laughs> I am, yes. I'm proud of you. Why yeah. do you say it like that? I'm so proud oh, of I you. Oh, I am. No, I love them. Yes. Well, and fabulous. I'm, I am not even 
anywhere close as excited for those two as I was for the chicks. Honestly, I, my mom, like that's all she played was the chicks, the chicks and Shania my whole childhood growing up. And like, I didn't really think they'd come to Winnipeg. I'm not sure if they'd been here before, but um, yeah, just getting to see them. And I honestly got chills as, as cliche as it sounds. I got chills. I got, I teared up when they sang traveling soldier. That one's just a really impactful song. So just getting to hear them live. Amazing. But yeah. There you go. So two concerts next week. Yeah. I'm off a couple okay. days next okay. week. <laughs> was, that was your next question, wasn't I it? I am yeah. off. Good journalist anticipates uh. the next question. <laughs> it's going to be a sleepy weekend Mm-mm. for Sarah. Forte, what about you? Well, I've been waiting uh, since August when my nephew was first born. I've been waiting to meet him. It's, uh, my, my, I know, my brother and his fiance. they live in Montreal. They said that, oh, you know, we'll probably be moving back to Winnipeg in September or October. Well, those months are gone. And I was like, when are you moving back? They're like, November, November. Well, now it's November, and my parents are like, screw it. We're going to Montreal in December. I'm not. I still have to wait. But uh, <laughs> they, they, could, they couldn't wait. So uh, they're, they're going to Montreal in December Aww. to meet their grandchild. And uh, I'm sitting here waiting to meet them. And uh, Aww, there's so nothing cool. I can do. That's cute. It is. But I can't wait. All right. And uh, Mackling? Well, tonight, so many of us were eagerly anticipating Bruce Springsteen's first appearance in Winnipeg. So that's on hold. But I'm going to go back to 1998 for mine. It was the summer of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's race to break Roger Maris's single season home run record. And we know now, in retrospect, it was all a sham. It was all drug fueled. <laughs> so uh, it was so exciting. It was exciting. <laughs> and so I planned a trip to Chicago and St. Louis. And it just so happened that on September 7th, 1998, as we were driving into St. Louis, Mark McGuire was on 61 home runs. And in fact, we were going to get to go to the game the next night. The only St. Louis Cardinals game we had on our calendar at Bush Stadium. And um, this is what we saw. He is set. They are very deep. They play him to fall. Traxel winds and fires. Big Mac. Swing and a shot into the corner. It might make it. There it is. 62, folks. It just got over the left field wall. So at that point, one of the biggest moments in baseball history, I had tickets to the game, was there with my buddy John. We celebrated. It was absolutely incredible to be there. And there was so much conversation about how much that ball would be worth on the open market. And of course, that ball went into the into one of the bullpens, and so no fan caught it. Both John and I dreamt about catching that ball. <laughs> we were on our way into St. Louis. It's like John, I had a dream. I caught that ball last night. I did too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it would have been worth if anybody got their hands on it, a couple million bucks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a two hundred four. Too bad it was the Cardinals. <laughs> I hate the Cardinals. <laughs> what? Why? I'm a Cubs fan. Me too, but that was... That, that was uh, I, hate that. <laughs> I hate the Cardinals. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. And next week, we are asking you for a chance to win bomber tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15 to tell us about something that you were eagerly anticipating by the way if you're anticipating the next country fest code word stand by it's coming up in 90 seconds time but ellen says i am a diehard john prine fan i was so excited when i heard he was coming to play at the folk festival i played his music for weeks after i heard the news every single song he ever sang i hadn't been to the folk festival for many years but i was going to go this time just to see john prine i saw him in 1989 and 91 I loved his storytelling and his music. Mind you, he was no longer the long-haired, good-looking young hero he was the first time I saw him, but he was still my John Prine, and I was so looking forward to seeing and hearing him again. And then COVID. The festival was canceled. He got sick with COVID, and he died. Such a tragedy. Ellen, that did not go where I was <laughs> expecting it to go, but thank you for sharing that, uh, you know, that to take us through that very brief but extensive journey that you went on. Yeah, John Prine, uh, 
what a talent and uh, devastating for, for so many people when, when he passed. And I'm thinking about Jeff Braun today. He was so nervous when those Springsteen tickets went on sale. Oh, yeah. He's seen them down in the States, but for Springsteen, Jeff Braun, for those that don't know, is one of the biggest Bruce Springsteen fans I've ever met. And he was skeptical, I think, from day one that this concert may actually come off tonight. It was supposed to be tonight at Canada Life Centre. And, well, as you know, Bruce Springsteen fell ill, had some surgery, and that concert has now been rescheduled for the for this time next year. Oh boy! All right, and we, I think we got time to sneak in this one about Coleco. Yeah, one of our listeners saying, "I remember anticipating for months that my brother and I would get a Coleco Vision video game system when I was twelve. We were we'd opened all the presents, and there weren't that many. Then my mom says there was one more present in the laundry room. Yes, it was the Coleco. Yeah, that began my ability to concentrate at wasting time. <laughs> Coleco Vision. There's a blast from the past. Did you have one of those? I had an Atari 2600. So tell us about the things you were eagerly anticipating for a chance to win the bomber tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Your final Country Fest code word of the day. Take this to cjob.com for a chance to win two three-day general admission weekend passes for Dolphins Country Fest. The code word is guitar. Again, the code word is guitar. Take that to cjob.com. We will announce the winner on Tuesday, November 14th. Greg, what's coming up in sports? I'll translate into country music speak. It's guitar. Just, just in case. Just in case. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are just about set for tomorrow's Western Final at IG Field. 40 hours or so from now, we will know whether or not the 12-time Grey Cup champions will be on their way to their fourth consecutive Grey Cup next Sunday in Hamilton. When sports teams talk about depth, they will talk about the next man up philosophy and how when one of your top players goes down, it's up to the individual next on the depth chart to jump in seamlessly. Well, tomorrow, Canadian Football Hall of Fame player, member of Blue Bombers Ring of Honor, Doug Brown, will be unavailable on game day. In his place, one of the great football minds in Canada, Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com, sit beside Derek Taylor. And on the pregame show, why not bring in another Football Hall of Famer and Ring of Honor honoree, Bob Irving. Bob, good morning, friend. Good morning, Greg and Brett. How are you? We're doing really well. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. Next up might be a big part of the story tomorrow evening as the Blue Bomber Receiving Corps has some question marks surrounding its ultimate makeup. Yes, it does. And Greg, I've listened to you this week and uh, heard your concern about this game, your uh, trepidation. You're worried, aren't you, about the outcome of the game? Yes, Bob, I am. Yeah, (laughs) I know it comes through. Loud and clear. Well, yes, they do have injury concerns at receiver. And, you know, for me, the big one is Dalton Schoen. He's, as far as I'm concerned, not going to be able to play in this game, although that has not been definitely announced. But uh, everything I hear is he's not going to be good to go. And then you've got Nick Dembski and Rasheed Bailey uh, have not practiced much this week. I think that's largely precautionary. That's my sense anyway. And th- those two will play. Greg McCray. I understand is also a little bit banged up, but he's probably also going to play. So there are some issues there for sure. Uh, having shown out is that that's a big hole in your receiving core because he's one of Zacharias's favorite targets, and you can't lose a player like that and not have an impact on you. Brendan O'Leary Orange, a Canadian who's been with the club for two or three years, will probably step in and get lots of playing time. And any time he's played. He's been fairly productive, so I think the backup strength is reasonable. Uh, whether or not Marquise Ambles plays, who was added here a couple of weeks ago, an American receiver, I'm not sure. We'll see their lineup in the next few hours. So, yeah, they've got a concern uh, at the receiver position with injury, but, you know, as they say in football, and particularly in the CFL, at this point in the season, every team is banged up and uh, not 100% healthy, and you've just got to fight through it. Now, another one of the reasons why GMAC is nervous about tomorrow's game bob is the bc lions are an excellent team this mm-hmm. but this is what you want at this time of year the best two teams in the west so well, in your opinion how good are the leos well they're good they're very good they were 12 and 6 this year 13 and 7 or 13 and 6 rather now after they're winning the semifinal game against calgary last weekend and they overpowered 
the Stampeders in every sense. Their quarterback, Vernon Adams, to me, he's the key to their team, Vernon Adams. He threw for 413 yards in that game last week. He's got a terrific arm. Uh, His accuracy was on point. And more importantly, he ran for over 60 yards in that game, and he's very capable of that because he's a tremendous athlete and he can be elusive and he can really hurt you when he gets out, out of contain and takes off. He's got uh, tremendous speed and you know escapability and all the rest of it. So he's the area that is going to be the biggest concern, I think, for the Blue Bombers. And Adams has had the best season of his career. He's been very consistent from start to finish. I know uh, the fans would look back on the last game the, the two teams played toward the end of the season where Adams threw for, what, 300 yards or close to 300 yards in the first half against Winnipeg, but in the second half they shut him down. They unsettled him. They rattled him a little bit, and that's what they're going to have to do on defense. They're going to have to contain him. But the Lions are good. They're very good, and they'll be you know, super motivated coming in here and saying to themselves, we don't want to lose this final game again to these guys. We want to get to the Grey Cup. We're good enough to do that, and I think they are good enough whether or not they can pull it off you know, the biggest thing they'll be fighting is the home field advantage. You guys all know about that. The Bombers, of their last 34 games at IG Field, they've won 31 of them. You know, that stat is it's mind-boggling. It really is. 31-3 and three in their last 34 home games. So that's a massive hurdle the Lions will have to overcome. Yeah, you mentioned Vernon Adams. Uh, two passing touchdowns ran for three more last week. So that, there's my trepidation. Yeah, it surrounds Adams. You, you nailed it, Bob. But here, here are the three keys in, in my mind, and three of several. But turnovers, the running game, and protecting the quarterback, I think are, are three main areas where, where the game will be won and lost. Well, for sure. I mean, the team that commits the fewest turnovers is likely to win this game. That's historically accurate in football since they started playing the game, if you commit more turnovers. Although, Greg, you'll remember the 2019 West Final here, or 2021, rather, West Final here, when the Bombers committed, I think, five turnovers in the first half against Saskatchewan and still came back and won the game. Now, that's very unusual, so I think turnovers will play a huge role, of course. Protecting Zach Kolaris will be critically important. And then you've got the running game with Brady Oliveira. And the Bombers have a massive edge here. The BC Lions do not run the football very well. They live and die with their passing attack. The Bombers have great balance on offense. Oliveira has the had the kind of season that you only dream about. And I would say this, if Brady Oliveira doesn't rush for 100 yards or close to it, that's not good for the Blue Bombers. I think uh, he's going. his running is going to have to be a big, big part of any success the Bombers have tomorrow. Bob Irving, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. And don't worry, Greg. You know, be uh, excited about this matchup. It's fantastic. This is what we live for as sports fans. Two really good teams going at it with so much on the line. I can't wait for it. Yeah, it just it reminds me of that uh, trifecta of games 83, 84, 85 when the West final was in BC those consecutive years and uh, oh it's stirring up so many memories emotions I'm nervous but I am very excited Bob and looking forward to hanging out with you a little bit tomorrow yeah it's going to be a super day and thanks to Derek Taylor for inviting me to appear on the pregame show I'm a little out of practice but I've been doing my homework so I'm going to be prepared (laughs) it's an Irving Friday we had Kyle Irving talking movies and TV at 705 Bob Irving talking football at 805 and again he'll be on the pregame show tomorrow what time does the pregame show start, Mackling? Three o'clock sharp with that Milroy montage. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. How will you be marking Remembrance Day? Attending a ceremony, watching a service on TV, or a moment or uh, two minutes of silence at 11 o'clock? And on the subject of Remembrance Day, our next guest's father served our country in a sometimes forgotten part of Canada's military history. And we're talking about Korea. Yeah, we are honored to welcome Lance Corporal Ray Croker's son, Vince Croker, into our studio on this day before Remembrance Day. Vince, pleasure to see you. Thanks for taking the time. And I I can't wait to learn some more about your dad. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. How will you commemorate tomorrow? Uh, Remembrance Day is always tough for me because um, knowing what my dad went through as, uh, you know, being recruited as a 19-year-old boy, I can't even imagine that. 
And, uh, you know, I didn't learn a lot about Korea because growing up, all Dad ever said was I was in the Korean War, and it really downplayed it until 2006 when we really found out what his role was and he was willing to share what he went through. Why do you think he was so hesitant to share with you, with the rest of your family, his experience overseas? Well, as you know, all soldiers, I think, you know, in that era, they did not talk a lot about it. And uh, with dad, you know, there's, I have nine siblings, so there's 10 kids in our family. So I think that, uh, you know, he's a very unselfish person and uh, he always wanted to make a difference in people's lives. So I think that probably, you know, one of the things that uh, he thought about was probably what we would think about him if he talked a lot about it. So uh, I think he chose probably not to. And uh, he always said that he was just a soldier. He was there for his country. So you said that in 2006, that's when you really learned a little bit more. So what happened to sort of precipitate that? Well, what happened was a good friend of mine was going to Afghanistan. He was a medic and um, he was terrified to go. And um, so I said to him, his name was Derek Hancock. I said, he was part of two PPCLI. And uh, I said, why don't you sit down with my dad? And, uh, you know, he was in Korea and talked to him. And uh, so I introduced him to my dad, and um, on the way home, I said to Derek, how was uh, your conversation with my dad? And he said, he's tough. (laughs) Your dad is really tough. And I said, really? I said, sorry about that. You know, and he said, well, Vince, you don't understand. Your dad's a cap younger. I take everything he said with total respect. And I said, a Cap Younger, what is that? He says, come on, you know what a Cap Younger is? And I said, no, I have no idea what a Cap Younger is. And then he went on to explain some of the things that him and dad talked about. So at that point, I phoned my dad in the next couple days, and I said, you know, dad, uh, I talked to Derek, and uh, he said, Talk to me about what you said, and, uh, you know, maybe it's about time you shared your story with your family. I said, we're all adults. And my dad just started to bawl on the phone. He just started to weep, and he said to me, you don't know what it's like to walk in trenches, to walk in water up to your neck for days, sleep in your uniform for weeks, because the Canadian military unlike a lot of other military, always slept in their clothes ready for battle, where a lot of other uh, military around the world, a lot of them would undress and, you know, sleep for the night where the Canadian military uh, always slept, Dad said, in their clothes. So they had to be ready to go. You're a loyal listener to this program, and you and I have become friends over the last year or so, Vince, because of that. And so it's been an honor to get to know you, but a big part of your dad's story in Korea was the fact that he was a radio operator. Yes. Yeah, he was a radio operator. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, knowing dad through the years, I can understand why he did what he did because he always goes over and above, you know, anything he did. And, and I mean, he was just a radio operator, a lance corporal, 19 years old. And uh, his job was to just work the radio. And uh, he took it upon himself one night to, um, he was bored, as he said. So he started listening to a lot of the other um, regiments, uh, uh, you know, the Australians and, uh, and the Americans and a few of the others, and started pinpointing where they had seen uh, the North Koreans and... Um, when he realized that uh, where they were on Cap Young Hill, they were surrounded. And he decided that he better get a hold of Colonel Stone in the morning, so he sent somebody to get Colonel Stone. And uh, Colonel Stone came and he said, uh, 
you know, he told them they were surrounded, and he said, no, soldier, you're wrong. And he said, well, I'll pull all the pins out of the map, and you, I'll give you the coordinates, and you put the pins back in. And, and uh, to Colonel Stone, shock, he was absolutely surrounded, and that's when they realized that they need to get a plan in place, obviously. And then Dad got off that morning, and uh, unfortunately, before the battle started, my dad was shot so uh, in the foot, and he had to be taken out. So he actually missed the Battle of Cap Young, which I think haunted him for many, many years. Because The fact he, that he missed it. Sorry to interrupt you, but the fact that he missed the battle yeah, haunted him. Yeah. So he, he got taken to a, a hospital in Japan, and he, he, he pleaded with them to go back, but they said, no, you're going home. So... But as Dan Bjarnason said to me, I was at the 60th anniversary in, in Shiloh, and he said, Vince, I mean, just think about it. Your dad pinpointing on that map that day, look how the world has changed. Korea, our soul is part of South Korea because they did not capture that hill. He said, when you just visualize that and the impact that was made, that it's absolutely amazing. But Dad would never, ever take credit for that. He was just doing his job, as he said. Our guest is Vince Croker. He is the son of Lance Corporal Ray Croker. And when you referenced, you know, what's a Cap Younger? So for those who are kind of, like, we've, you've talked about the battle and whatnot, but how would you describe what, like, what is a Cap Younger? The Cap Younger is, is the soldiers that were there on that hill that day. Uh, there were some 600 soldiers surrounded by five to 6,000 North Koreans. And uh, because of the plan of Colonel Stone, they ended up retreating because they never knew how many soldiers they were up against, and uh, it was never taken. You mentioned the uniform and Canadians sleeping in their uniform. Sort of a little bit of irony there. When your dad came home, he didn't come home in a Canadian uniform. No, he came home in, uh, uh, I think it was an Australian uniform because they uh, didn't have a uniform for him. So that's what he was shipped home in. And uh, I guess nobody really recognized who he was. Not to mention that he was probably 120 pounds when he came home. So My goodness. These medals, we'll let you go after this, Vince. You've brought with you this morning your dad's medals. What do those medals mean to you? Those medals mean everything to me. And uh, the one blue bar um, that was presented to those 600 soldiers from the President of the United States, that's the first and only time that that's been presented to Canadian soldiers. And uh, it means everything to me. Yeah. Well, Vince, thank you very much for coming in to, to tell this story. It's an important story. And, uh, yeah, just imagining what he went through. It's almost impossible to imagine it, but you've given us a sort of a, just a taste of it. And uh, it's an important perspective as we head into tomorrow. And remember the sacrifices that so many Canadians have made for the freedom we enjoy today. So thank you for helping right. us understand that. Thanks for having me in, guys. I appreciate it. Normally on Fridays, we speak with Gabrielle Marchand from Global News Morning, our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabby's off today. Who is in her stead, Mr. Mackling? Well, I will not create the same amount of fanfare, the same amount of excitement for Clay Young as I do for Gabby. Good morning, Clay. What does that mean? <laughs> well, we make it a really big deal that Gabby's here. You join us on a regular basis on the show. Gabby's only here basically five minutes a week. And sometimes you're on our show once, twice in a week. So, And I'm happy to be here. Welcome back. Are you well, excited about the football game tomorrow? I know your oh. Rough Riders aren't playing tomorrow. Would, would you stop that? Like, <laughs> really? I mean, I switched allegiances years ago. So you're not loyal is what you're saying. I am a true <laughs> I'm a true blue bomber fan and I I switched several a good 5 years ago. Where have you been? 
Do you not do prep? Do you not check into, okay, what is Clay Young up this to is now? A, this is a man who asked me every single home game, are you going to the Bomber game this week? <laughs> yes, Clay, I actually work on the broadcast if you care to tune in once um, in a while. I'm very excited about the game. I'm not making any <laughs> predictions because you never know. Not BC, in my presence, no, you BC's won't. BC's a very good team. They are, you're right. They are. And it, it appears the weather will not be a factor you know, they're not coming in here. They play under a dome. They're not coming in here in a blinding snowstorm. Well, maybe it's a factor because it's not going to be a factor. This well, is something maybe. that the Bombers, you know, always talk about. Never cold enough. Right. BC, yeah. being a dome team, you were, we were sort of anticipating the fact that they would come here and, oh, they're the indoor guys and we'll roll out some Manitoba hospitality in the form of minus 10 and snow. Yeah. Not happening. So oh, I, I was, wonder uh, if, if yeah. th- that then conversely becomes. Well, we were doing live hits from IG Field uh, on Global Morning earlier this week, and I was, you know, loosey goosey and trying to get everybody, uh, you know, in a good mood. And you know, hey, hey, man, hey, man, this is this is serious stuff here. You know, Wade Miller. I tried to make him laugh. Good I said I tried to make him put on a hat. No, I said, come <laughs> on, you're gonna put on a hat. No, come on. And then he said, did you hear what he said to me? I was, trying, I was busy at the time. I was trying to get him to put on a cowboy hat during the live hit, and he just out and out, no. And I said, come on. And I'm kind of like giving him an elbow, like during the live hit. Come on. You're a brave man. I know. And and then he just kind of looked at me. He said, no. And by the way, the price tag is still on this, this, this hat, and you're going to pay for this before you leave. I said, is that how things work around here? <laughs> You had the big swaggy gold chain. Yeah. You had the hat on, yeah. and then you tried on some heavy duty. Yeah, well, Wade uh, said, you know, you should be. He wearing. actually helped you into he, that. He did. He said, you want to look cool this this Saturday? You got to put this on. And I couldn't, I because of the equipment. I was, you know, telex and my earpiece and all this other stuff. I said, I'm. You're gonna have to dress me. And I said, you're gonna have to dress me. And he said, I'm not dressing. You gotta dress me. <laughs> Like I said, that. and then again he said, "I'm not dressing you. Come on, dress me. You got to dress me in the morning." <laughs> it was comical. <laughs> I, and then after I said, "I made you laugh. I made you laugh." Did no, you? you? No, you didn't. Well, <laughs> well, I looked at the tape later, and yes, he did laugh oh. after he told me I had to pay for that hat. <laughs> <laughs> Clay, did I hear you correctly yesterday in the hallway speaking to one of our producers, Tamana, that you are going to be filling in for Kevin Bergen on Winnipeg weekends at some point soon? As, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up because I just talked to Heather, right? Right? Uh, our boss, Heather. And, uh, we prefer or- news overlord. That's the Kim. News. That's Kim. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah, well, there's several of them here. But anyway, Heather's asking if... Uh, if I would uh, host the show, what is it? I'm looking at the dates, uh, the 25th and the 26th, right? And I said yes. So now she wants to know if I want to do the show uh, Saturday morning live from St. Patel Center because you guys are going to be there Friday. Yeah. And she wanted me to carry it over at the St. Patel Center. I said, yeah. And I apparently I'll have a producer and I'll have all the equipment that I need to, to produce the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're live St. Patel Shopping Center. Come on down, say hi. Christmas shopping. Uh, Your thoughts. Your thoughts. Anyway, yeah. You were asking me uh, before, is there any particular thing that I've ever gone to in an event where I've been super hyped? Yeah. Right? Right? You know what? One of the the best things I ever saw ever. So when I, and this is uh, only a couple of years ago, well, about three or four years ago now, um, so there was, I grew up listening to Alice Cooper. He was like a big, big thing to me growing up listening to Alice Cooper. So, uh, when he was coming, he was in concert, I think it was 2018 over here, just at the Burt. Yep. So I bought tickets. Money was no object. I wanted to get the best tickets possible. And I'm on the, th- I'm in the third row, right? And the, the, the security guy comes up. He says, okay, everybody, you know, you know, people in the first three rows, you get to go right up to the stage. And I thought, well, I don't want to go up to the stage. I'm sitting here with my popcorn and my pop, and I'm in my chair. I don't want to go up uh, right in front of the stage. 
So sure enough, all these people in the first three rows rush to the stage. And now I can't see anything. <laughs> so now I get up and I go to the front of the stage and I'm mingling in with all these other guys. The lights go down. The lights all of a sudden come on. Pyrotechnics. Thank you, Jeff. And all of a sudden he comes on. There he is, like 10 feet from me, singing No More Mr. Nice Guy. And he's looking right at me. And I'm going, oh, my God, he's looking right at me. <laughs> and I'm going, hi, Alice. How are you? <laughs> and he kind of winked at me. And I'm going, he's looking at me. Hi, was, Vincent. How are you? I was thrilled. I was, I, and then I said, so this is the, the luxury of being. Uh, we respect being, the clock on this show. Oh, well, you know what I think of formats. Format. You're breaking format, Clay. (laughs) Absolutely. Vincent Fernier. The bosses have no idea they've unleashed me for that weekend. Clay Young from Global News Morning filling in on Winnipeg weekends on the 25th and 26th. This is why we call it Clayham on 680 CJOB. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We are going to give away bomber tickets in a moment. But before that, uh, tomorrow is the bomber game day. But tomorrow, of course, is also Remembrance Day. And Suzanne weighing in with a pretty cool story. Yeah, last night Suzanne was at Costco representing Legion Branch Number 7 for Poppy Drive. A little girl came up to me, made a donation for a poppy. She explained to me how they had an assembly at her school earlier in the day. She said, it is very important that we remember. Suzanne said, touched my heart. And our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. How will you be marking Remembrance Day? Now, we're asking you this morning, as we eagerly anticipate the Bomber game tomorrow, what is an example of something you, once upon a time, or maybe are currently eagerly anticipating, like Cam Poitras saying he is... Dying to get to his trip to Japan mm-hmm. in January with his bride. And uh, Kevin the Garbage Man, one of our runners up here, what did he, What was he waiting for? When I was 10 or 11, I saw in the TV guide that Empire of the Ants was going to be on the following Saturday. All week I was planning and waiting to see this movie. Commercials all week promoting the show. 8 p.m. Saturday. 8 p.m. comes. I have my popcorn all ready for the show. A a show called The 39 Steps comes on, a spy thriller from 1935. As this happened over 40 years ago, the bad memories still remain. I'm looking at the poster right now. A.G. Wells' Empire of the Ants. For they shall inherit the earth sooner than you think. (laughs) Uh, hopefully you haven't ever seen that movie now that's what i want to know (laughs) but our winner today is rob g who says the one item that i was eagerly waiting for was the ps5 the playstation 5 actually there would be three different times of anticipation during this process one was waiting for the online presale When that day came, I had my laptop and phone ready to go, and I was feverishly hitting the refresh button on both devices, looking like a DJ at a rave. (laughs) Hang on, let me get some appropriate music for that. So Rob says, when I received the message that I was in and purchased the system, that was the second time of anticipation. The third was waiting the two to three weeks for delivery. But five days later, my wife sent me a photo text of the package worried that i was scammed or maybe the console was taken out of the boxes that was actually happening at the time with deliveries i facetimed with the wife and had her open the box to show that the console was indeed in the box yes i was like a kid at christmas even at the age of 53 yes here's the 53 year old kids because i am one Way to go, Rob. Love the DJ at a rave. Come on, come on. Perfect, perfect, perfect painting of the radio picture, as Richard Cloutier might say. So, Rob, you win bomber tickets for tomorrow's game. If you want to still win tickets, you have two more opportunities today on CJOB because there's a pair of tickets up for grabs on Connecting Winnipeg with KKN for Hal and a pair of tickets up for grabs on The Jim Toth Show. Greg, I actually almost feel guilty doing this next interview Why, without Brett? Loren. Why? 
Why? Why? Because she's such a fan of this. You know, she whenever this comes up, she'll start singing. She knows the songs. She loves this. Because what's coming to Winnipeg, to Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, Royal MTC, November 30th to December 23rd, the main stage will come alive with the sound of music. Mm. And the director is Rachel Peak, who joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. So I, I have to start with a confession. I have never seen the sound of music in any wow. form. So for, so for me to just humor me for a moment, for me and any of my fellow uncultured louts who have not seen the sound of music, what is it about? Oh, it's a wonderful story. Um, you know, it starts, as, it starts in a kind of a sad place. It starts with a family who uh, the, the mother of the family had died. Uh, and, uh, and so they're, they're all, you know, a bit, a bit rootless, but then into their life comes this young woman who is studying to be a nun. Uh, and she comes and she brings, uh, she brings music and life back to their family. But in doing so, of course, they all fall, fall a bit in love with her. Um, and so it's the story about her figuring out whether she should continue on this nun's life or, or to, be, to have a life with this family. Um, but it all takes place in, uh, in Austria in 1938. So there's also this, this secondary story that, comes, uh, that sort of comes to a head later in the play about, um, about the Germans, about the Nazis overtaking Austria. So there's lots of drama, but lots of love and, and playfulness and joy at the center of it. And wonderful music at its heart uh you know light in a time of darkness are all sorts of uh themes in in this film but let's talk about a stage production i mean you're talking about how how do you magically transform us to you know the austrian alps (laughs) on a stage production it's got to be a little bit challenging uh, rachel well, that's that's part of the joy of theater is that we we give a certain amount and then the audience brings their imagination to fill in the rest. But uh, but absolutely, I think through the magic of the, the, these gorgeous costumes and set, uh, we transport the audience to a totally different world. And you know, many people will be bringing their memories of the movie in with them. People like you will be coming fresh. Um, but it it really is about. Um, it is about this beautiful storytelling that, that the artists involved are taking part in. Now, we understand this production will take advantage of the Fly House at Royal MTC, which is one of the few fly houses in the city. But what's a fly house? I've never heard of that. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a great. I was like, I'm impressed that he knows that term. Um, so a fly house means that there is a space above the stage for scenery to fly in. And so um, there are many different locations. This is a really epic piece. And so we transport from being in the abbey where the nuns are singing uh, into onto the hills of, of the Swiss Alps uh, and the Austrian Alps. And then and then we go into this beautiful villa that the captain lives in, the Captain Von Trapp. So through the, house, through the use of the fly gallery and being able to fly scenery in and out, we're able to transport people really quickly between the different locations. That's fascinating. The, the technology and the space and everything that's done at MTC, Brett and I have both seen come from away at MTC and we continually refer to our experience there and the emotions that it drew out of us and didn't have to work very hard to do that. For those, once again, Carrying on Brett's theme of those that have not been to a stage production like this, just talk about how the music impacts you, how it just it just gets literally and physically right inside your very being. Oh, I think you've done a great job of explaining it. You know, I, I said that on my first day that it was going to be hard to get through a day without crying because there's such great music in this piece. And like I say, some of it is funny, um, but it, it kind of speaks to a nostalgia or to our, our childishness inside. Uh, and some of it is, is romantic and some of it is inspiring. Um, the piece at the end of act one, just, just, you know, soars out over the audience. And so I think really like, as you say, the storytelling of theater com- like combined with the power of the music is just really something that, that ha- has an impact on people that, that so few other things in our life do that to really, you know, bring those big emotions out as we get swept away in the story. 
If you're just tuning in, it's Mackling and McGarry. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling. Our guest is Rachel Peak, who is the director of The Sound of Music, coming to Royal MTC November 30th to December 23rd. And I'm curious, Rachel, is there more pressure to get it right, so to speak, when you're putting on a show that's beloved by so many? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if the word is pressure, but definitely I do feel some responsibility. I mean, myself, I grew up on the movie and it is such a, you know, I have such a deep, deep connection to it. And I think a lot of people do. And so it is absolutely our responsibility to, to live up to that and to, and to provide that experience that people love so dearly. But also because it is a stage play, because it's something that's happening now and it's new, we want to bring um, a sort of a freshness to it as well. So it doesn't feel like a museum piece, but it feels like something that, uh, that people are experiencing, even if they've known it for years, something that they're experiencing for the first time. So there's definitely a lot of challenges in that, but it's, it also is incredibly thrilling and, and, you know, I feel quite honored to be able to, to um, helm this story that means so much to people. Tomorrow, the Jets are in action against Dallas Stars. Tomorrow night, we've got the Blue Bombers and the BC Lions. And Rachel, the director of a production like this is sort of like the general manager and the coach <laughs> all at the same time. So when one of your, one of your players, one of your actors, or, or maybe people who are working behind the scenes isn't having a great day, have you got a, a go-to MO in terms of helping them get things turned around? Or, or what, would your, what would your coaching style be? How would we, how would we describe it? Oh, that's a great question and a great analogy. Definitely, it, it feels like that most days. Um, well, you know, I think that um, one of the things we try and do is just set up that that in the rehearsal space uh, while we're practicing that there's n- there's no bad ideas, but at the same time that the best idea is going to be the one that ends up on stage. So really just making sure that there's lots of space for collaboration and it's okay for somebody to have a bit of a, a bit of a down day while we're building. And then the great thing about professionals is that uh, when it comes to showtime, they know how to, to put all those elements together that we've spent so long practicing and creating so that they're kind of is no such thing as a down day once they get in front of the audience it just comes to life so really it's about those building blocks and making sure that they're in place and you know we're also working with some amazing uh, young people from the community and they help give us energy and remind us how to have fun with it features almost uh, 140 costumes for 29 actors and scenes that take place through 13 locations um so always been curious with the costumes because sometimes the the costume change almost feels like instantaneous like seconds to to make that change does does the do those quick changes ever go wrong they definitely do sometimes. Uh, yes, you're right. Sometimes people are changing entire their entire costumes, clothes, uh, shoes in you know 15 seconds, 20 seconds, uh, and it really is. They they go off stage and there is a choreographed routine with the dressers and the actor to get them into those clothes. And definitely, I've seen situations with actors coming on without their shoes or with costume pieces missing. But for the most part, it is a, a well-oiled machine. Rachel. Um... We've had conversations over the last several weeks about the, you know, our different arts groups in our community maybe struggling attendance-wise, and if not attendance-wise, revenue-wise. Uh, just you know, give us our your thirty to sixty-second elevator pitch on the value of the arts, particularly in this community where we have done, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many others uh, around the world done such a wonderful job in the middle of nowhere of creating these institutions of light and entertainment. Oh, I would completely agree with you about that. I think Winnipeg is a real center of, of arts and performing arts, uh, you know, in Canada and, and, in, and in North America. So there's definitely that is that Winnipegers have the opportunity to access like world caliber work that's happening here. Like or, uh, Royal MTC is one of the best theater companies in North America. And I mean, it, really the value of coming to see it live, we're all feeling it. We've all been stuck inside watching Netflix 
for too long. Like it's, it, we all feel the need to come out and spend time with other people and have a live experience. And, and like I say, like when you hear the, that music live and you're there and you're laughing next to whether it's your best friend or it's the stranger on the other side of you, that sort of communal experience of, of joining imaginations to, to enter into this world of make believe and be transported. It really, you don't get that experience anywhere else. And it's a really, it's a special night, it's a, whether it's a date night or a night out with your best friends or taking the whole family. It's, it's a night like no other. And that experience is something I think we're all longing for right now. Rachel Peake, thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Rachel Peake is the director of The Sound of Music, coming to Winnipeg, Royal MTC, November 30th to December 23rd. If you want to get tickets, they start at 29 bucks. For showtimes and ticket information, call the Royal MTC box office at 204-942-6537. That's 942-6537. Or toll-free at one 446 4500. That's 1 446 4500 or online royalmtc.ca. I think we have to go to this with McNabb. Yeah? Yeah. I want to hear her sing through this entire thing. <laughs> wonder if uh, she'd be thrown out. Maybe we need she, just a, a private per- performance. Maybe maybe she could uh, be like, um, like a, an emergency. Oh, like an understudy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.